the game was different, right? The the, the rules was different. The ball. Oh, was the, Euro, different. The, Euro, the Euro style is different in America. The Euro style was a lot different in America. <laughs> That's the Especially, first time y'all seen that Euro step too, huh? Absolutely. Okay, so today on the Euro step, and we have the legendary uh, Steve Botnell, who is um, one of the most known faces in British basketball. Um, he's played at North Carolina and the Los Angeles Lakers, amongst other stops. Um, great to have you here, coach. Um, want to have you here again, um, talking about your college, but today we are addressing um, kids going to the States and, and the roles that you've played and if you can help part some information. So um, if you can give us your coach, just your coaching background, just, a, you know, a brief overview of how long you've been around coaching and, you know, your club and, and, and stuff like that. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on Stepping. It's a pleasure. I like the work that you've been doing on the thank podcast. Yeah, I'm happy I can support that. Well, my, you know, I've always, I've always <laughs> envisioned myself of being a coach on the floor. It started when I was a player, um, really just having having that that connectivity with the head coach and being able to be that link on the floor. The, the, because of my personality, I was always doing a lot of talking on the floor, a lot of galvanizing the troops, so to speak. And, you know, the coach saw me as a leader. So as a leader, um, you know, you'd always try to, to, to create that, that chemistry with you and, the, and that and that player that you want to to kind of lead the guys on the floor, and that's that's what I found myself doing a lot of time, especially in my later years of playing. So it just kind of translated to me becoming a coach. I didn't really think think about it, but you know, I look around the corner. Next thing you know, I'm coaching a game. And uh, in 2006, I think my my coaching career started when I started the club, London Thunder Basketball Club. And I got involved with a, a couple other ventures with Future Stars. I just started coaching I, and I really wanted to give my experience back to the kids. That's what it was really about, to give kids opportunity and to, and basically I look back on my own career in England and felt like I wasn't given the tools necessary to succeed as I would have liked to. Um, for instance, you always talk about playing people out of positions. Well, that's what happened to me. I played center in England the whole time. Nobody told me I would I was going to be a perimeter player. They just used me as a as a rebounder and uh, and a defender. So you know, as soon as I started the club, first thing I did was try to put players into their positions early, early, and give them the skill sets. So I didn't break up the groups into guards and forwards and bigs. I just let everybody learn every tool every in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from there, so I coached I coached there for a little while. Then I had an opportunity to coach in the BBL with London Capitals. And that was, you know, it was a good experience for me. I seen a lot, a lot of guys at that level, you know, being successful and having a go at it. And I said, you know what? Let me see what I can do. I was a little bit inexperienced, I must say, but my background as a as a player gave me the confidence to know if I could impart some of the skills, you know, that I was able to do on the floor to my team and some of the philosophies that I learned, I thought I could I could get a decent job done. And uh, to be fair, we won 12 to 15 games without any foreign players, which, uh, 
you know, nobody talks about it, but it's unheard of. We didn't have any foreign players. We had uh, Teo that plays at Surrey Scorchers. You know, I gave him his, his first running uh, as a rookie. And we based our team around young English players. Uh, again, for me, I was concerned about the influx of foreign players in the BBL. So I kind of went a different route, probably because we didn't have any money either. But, <laughs> so we, it sounds nicer when you say you're just focusing on the domestic <laughs> talent. Yeah, that, that sounds better. It was fun. It was fun. So, yeah, so, you know, the coaching started with London Thunder, my club. Uh, started that club in 2006. And then I took a stint a year with the London Capitals, um, coaching there. And I learned a lot. Obviously, my background... Uh, I was used to excellence and mm. I expected excellence at that level and then I realized pretty quickly I wasn't going to get it <laughs> um, there's a notorious story I can tell you is that we lost the game I remember we lost the game by 50 points I think it was with the, uh, with the Capitals and you know I was furious I've never lost by 50 in my life as a player or coach I, I just couldn't believe the, the lack of the lack of uh, spirit by the team to lose so much the, the the lack of desire to play hard and finish the game out because you can lose a game as yeah. any coach knows but there's ways you lose a game and I'm, and, and I'm from the breed where when I shake the player's hand at the end of the game he knows I've given it all I, I've got so on this occasion I felt like the guys gave up so I said oh you guys want to give up eh wait till Monday uh, oh. so Monday comes along I said we lost by 50 I said we're going to have 50 suicides I mean, these guys looked at me like I was crazy. Um, we got to about 25 and everybody just, you know, they just collapsed. Or this is pro out. men. This is pro, yeah. it's not juniors, this is men. Oh, this is men. This is men. <laughs> and uh, obviously it didn't go down, it didn't go down well. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't go down well, but this this is what, this, this was my message. I bet you'll never lose by 50 again. And you know what? We didn't lose by 50. Uh, I lost a few players on the way, I must say, after that. But the ones that wanted to stay wanted to work hard and wanted to play hard. And for me, that, that's what it was all about. It's not about success to me of playing on the court. It's about giving your effort. Give it all, you, all you've got. There's always players and teams that are better than you. You've got to realize that. But as long as you give it all that you have and you've tried the best you have, you can sleep soundly at night. So that's kind of my attitude um, when I'm coaching. I want everybody to have fun. Um, yes. and, and offensively, I allow people to play. Everybody, you ask anybody about my style is, I want you to play like like a lion on defense, but then on offense, I want you to be loose. I want you to be to, to express yourself. Mm. I'm not going to try to pigeonhole you into doing things. Mm. Um, I've taken that philosophy all the way through. Um, after After the Capitals, I... I mean, the biggest next step for me was I had the opportunity to coach for England, uh, under 18 boys. I was a little bit mature as a coach, a little bit more experienced then. So I kind of toned it back a bit. Um, so coaching England team, it's a young group, under 18s. They were very talented uh, the three, four years I was there. And I knew that they just needed somebody to show, show them the way. Uh, mm -hmm. I think they had the ability in them. And I think, you know, we... We took a, a bunch of young boys who were in Division B and we took them to Division A 
and we were very successful and we stayed in Division A. So one of the first England teams, under 18 teams to ever do that. Now we do it on a regular basis, but back then nobody had done it before. Um, that team was special. Uh, Luke Nelson comes to mind, Kingsley, you know, there, there was a lot of other players, just a team. And we and they worked hard, but they had that chemistry because they played together for so long. And that group, to be fair, that campaign, I think we won every tournament. You know, even though when leading up to the Europeans, you play in, you know, you play in Holland, we played in Italy, and we won those tournaments against international uh, national team sides. It was impressive. And it was the same philosophy, guys. You know, give me all you got on defense. We're going to have some principles that we need to follow. And on offense, do your thing. And I allowed him to do that. And I think I got the best out of the players like that. Uh, instead of trying to pigeonhole them and trying to run sets with multiple movements, I said, listen, we got quick sets. When we need a bucket, we do this. If not, you know, you got three seconds on the ball. Make it happen or give it up. That, that was our philosophy. Play as a team. And I, and, I, and I really think that's the way to go with with the younger players. As soon as you start having them think too much, this is when this is when uh, mistakes happen. This is when like doubt creeps in. So yeah, after that, I settled back in to my club stuff, uh, really trying to develop the youngsters and coaching across the board from under 12s all the way up to men's. I mean, a couple of years ago, we won the division three um, cup or what they call it, playoffs at the end of the year. Yeah. It's a team that was undefeated. No one thought we could beat them. They were this Lithuanian outfit that was just crushing everybody. And uh, it was funny because everybody's like, oh, they, they're 28 and 0. You're not going to beat them. I said, I know exactly how the Lithuanians play. I played them so many times. I, I can tell you what they're going to do. And it, it really was the case. Obviously, they're a machine. They run their flex. They play tough. And they, they got some ability. But, you know, just like in the European campaign, Coach D, I knew what they didn't want. What they didn't want to do is, is play helter skelter. Yeah, they didn't yeah. want to do that. You know, they wanted to settle. They wanted to settle. And my philosophy has always been, if you score two buckets in a row, I'm changing the defense. Uh, I don't care. And that really unsettles team. And then we put on our presses, our three-quarter, our four-quarter, our half-quarter, and they just could never settle into the game. Yeah, rhythm, and that's yeah, how, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they could never settle. They could never get that rhythm. And basically, that's how we're able to beat them. And that's really been my philosophy, is to is to really get the guys to believe in defense. But on offense, you have to play loose. You have to play with confidence. You have to believe in your offensive game. Because, you know, the old guys say the ball doesn't lie. If the ball feels that like you're nervous, it's not going to go in. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I definitely agree with that. And I, I love that, especially um, a lot of our, you know, uh, especially playing stateside. I'm sure you understand that when you get to college programs, a lot of the time you have a specific role you know do this do that this is what you're allowed to do this is what you're not allowed to do so getting players to be loose and comfortable on the court i think is very important and and, and uh you know necessary for their development and, and for their success i like it and i played in one of the most good programs in america north carolina on the legendary coach dean smith so i'm not going to say it doesn't work but i just felt like I could do a lot more and and I was restricted because of the team. Yes. The team does come first, so I understood that. But now as a young 
uh, a young fledgling coach, I see things a little bit differently. And I think, you know what? There's a balance there. There's a balance. I believe in that defense, that team defense, and I believe in that. But also believe in, in giving the, the players some latitude on offense so they can play. Because, you know, a smiley player, a confident player, is gonna is gonna play his butt up on defense for you, so it's a little bit different from from, my, from what I learned from Coach Smith. But then you know, then you then you put that together with what I what I kind of learned from Pat Riley, which which was the offensive side, where you know that that showtime, that confidence, the ability <laughs> to try time. things. Yeah. You know, I was I was able to see magic and those guys, and believe me, they weren't restricted. They they <laughs> they just played with the flow, with the rhythm, and I found that to be a lot more effective and, and a lot more enjoyable. Love it, love it, coach. Right, so um, really quick, how roughly how many players would you say you've helped get to play college basketball? It doesn't have to be an exact number, just yeah. a ballpark. No, about, about 20. Okay, okay, about cool. About 20 um, over the years, we facilitated to go over to the US. Um, and what do you think that the U.S. basketball system, uh, I'll start again. So what do you think the U.S. system uh, did for those players, why it was beneficial for them to come to the States rather than stay at home? I think we're looking at the life skills that made them independent. You can talk about basketball, but I'm talking about growing up and becoming men. And I, and I think when you, when you go to America, you're, you're all of a sudden, you have to become independent pretty quickly. You have to kind of set goals for yourself uh, pretty quickly. You have to be resilient pretty quickly. All these things, maybe when you're at home and things are a lot easier for you, you don't encounter. But in America, uh, you, you need to grow up. If you don't grow up, you, you're probably not going to make it too far. Mm. Um, Basketball-wise, I just think toughness. Um, you got to be tough both physically and mentally over there. And most of the players that I send over there, they're, 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 they're usually on the, on the highest scales of tough and, okay. uh, and being able to, to hold their own. I think, uh, again, all the stories I've heard about players going to America, uh, they, they stumble when they get to the first hurdle or somebody knocks them down or, or things don't go their way. And uh, our players are usually, you know, if I'm looking at some of the, the, the key kind of traits I look for a player is resilience, toughness and resilience. Um, I think those are what you need to be successful over there. Obviously, then we start talking about, you know, physicality, basketball, yeah. you know, your academics, outcomes and stuff like that. But there's some basics that you need to have or you're just not going to make it anyway. Very true, very true. Um, and I think sometimes the the, the glamour of it um, over overshadows the actual hard work and you know toughness that is needed. And they think, oh yeah, going to the States is so easy and they don't have the other stuff that goes along with it. So definitely. Um, of those 20 players that you've helped facilitate get to the States, um, can you break down what type of players they were? So. Um, were they guards, were they bigs, were they, you know, or was it all, all a, a mixed variation? Um, we usually go for the bigger type player. Um, okay. We've sent big, big guards. So you can be small, to me, small is 6'5", six, 6'4". Six, 
but you've got to be playing the right position. You've got to be playing the right position. Mm-hmm. And most of the guys that have the ability and have come through a club have, have been around 6'4", six, 6'5", six, um, multi, multi-skilled players who can play a number of positions. I mean, we had Cavell Bigby Williams. He was 6'9", but he was a special athlete. I mean, we knew he was going to be able to, to play that type of basketball in the States. So I would say anybody, you know, for, for us, you've got to be, you've got to have the right physical attributes, you know, so 6'5", six, 6'4", six, um, you know, super duper athlete, and and hopefully having those having those traits that we talked about. Okay, um, I agree, I, yeah. Um, is there a specific, well, I kind of, I guess it kind of goes with what you're saying, but is there a specific position that, gets recruited more than the others. You know what I mean? Is it just those that are, you know, like Cavell, um, six, nine plus, or, you know, could you be like a five, nine, five, 11 and still get recruited? Anybody can get what's in your DNA and your heart and your ability. But, uh, you know, I've, I've always tell guards that guards come a dime a dozen. Have you ever heard that phrase? And I said, when you go to America, uh, you can look around every corner, there's going to be a guard. So what do you bring into the table that's so different? So if you are a guard, then you've got to be able to either handle the ball extremely well, you've got to be able to score. You're going to have to be uh, an expert in one of the, 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 the facets of the game to be a guard. You know, if you want to be a point guard, then you're going to have to be able to lead the team. You're going to have to have something different. That's why I think it's so difficult for guards to make it. Uh, coming from England because they just don't have have that uh, that background of basketball. They haven't seen enough basketball. They haven't been around it. It's not. It's not. You know, a lot of the time it's not the culture. That's why a lot of the better point guards come from the states. But uh, you know, I think anybody can play this game. That's the beauty of basketball. Anybody can play. Anybody can make it to the top. It's it's, it's really you know what you do with the skills and the, and the body that you have. Mm. I like that, yeah. Um, and you do get, I guess they're one in a million, so to speak, but you do get the smaller guards who do go ahead and play very well. There's an American guard um, uh, playing college. I've been watching him all week and I feel so bad I've forgotten his name. And he's like six, sorry, he's five eight, and he's doing a great job. Um, but yeah, you know, there are exceptions to the rules. Um, I had the pleasure of playing. Sorry to cut you. I had the pleasure of playing against Muggsy Bogues. Oh yeah. Nothing. And, and I remember, you know, when we used to play Wake Forest, Coach Mick would say, "If Muggsy gets on you, do not dribble the ball." And you're <laughs> talking about Kenny Smith here, All American. Uh, you know, you're not talking about a regular guard. Here. You're talking about Kenny Smith wasn't allowed to dribble the ball around Muggsy. You know, Kenny was like, you know what? I'd rather just pass it up and get it back in the half court. That's just going to be too much drama. Trying to bring the ball up, you know, full court. He's there every bounce. He's there. He's there. Every bounce you make, <laughs> he's looking to he's looking to just take it off you. So there is a place for a small player that can make impact, whether it's offensively, defensively, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's, hey, that's crazy. Muggsy is a... I didn't realize Muggsy was a defensive uh, nuisance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> all you can do against Muggsy was post him up. You 
might have some joy, but don't bring it down. <laughs> um, what's the process of getting a player um, to the state? So, you know, what from start to finish coach, what would you say you, you know, the player has to do, you as a coach are doing in order to get him to, you know, to play? Well, the first thing for me is talk to the player and talk to the parents. Uh, you sit them down and obviously they'll tell you, oh, I want to go to the States. Most of the time, the kids don't care where they're going, but that's not our philosophy. We said, we've got to get a good match for you and what you need. So we sit the parents down. We, we look at the options that are on the table and we have to provide the options. And, and basically you do kind of a SWOT analysis, don't you? You look at it, you say, well, this might be good here. We don't know, you know about this school academically. Um, this school's great academically. This, this team has five seniors. You know, you ain't going to play this year. And you try to find that, that, that perfect match. You'll never get it right, but you try to find that perfect situation where you think that, you know, that player can grow, that player can be successful, not only on the court, but in the classroom. Again, we really stress academics in our club. And I, and I really think that if you wanna, if you wanna make it in life, you just can't have plan, because my father said, you can't have plan A, you gotta have plan B too. You gotta have plan B. So, you know, academically, we want these, the, these players to strive to be the best they can, because basketball, um, it lasts, if you're lucky, you might get, you know, a 10 year professional career, or even just a 10 year playing career. So, and then after that, we, we, we talk to some schools, we put videos together, we put a little package of what, what the player can, can do on the court and also his academic background. And then we, go, and then we try to, to match, then we try to match the schools to the, to the player. And, you know, if it, if it goes to that next stage, then we start talking to the coaches and talking about how how do you see this player developing? What do you see in this player's future? Because it doesn't matter what I think the player's future is anymore. Once he goes to the States, what the coach thinks. And again, that's a hard one because you find a lot of the times that the coaches will tell you what you want to hear. Let's be honest, they'll tell you what you want yeah. to hear. So if I say I've got a six-five guard, I say, you know, I need, you know, I need this guy playing in the guard position. The coach will be like, oh, no problem. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> Three months down the road, back to the basket. So we got to be very careful there. So yeah. building relationships with the with the programs and the coaches are important to me because um, you have to believe in that coach and what he says that he will follow through on. So it's, it's a difficult process. You know, another thing we never we've not talked about is fi you know financially. Some parents can afford to send their kids to certain type of schools. Some parents do not have that money. Some parents need to apply for to financial aid, and we have to work out what's best for the child. Um, I'm not, I'm not in the, in, you know, in, in trying to send kids. I'm just trying to find a good word for it to a place where they just can't succeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have to be able to succeed. They have to have, to be able to enjoy the experience, and uh, you don't get it right all the time. And a lot of the times, you know, you're successful. And then some other times, it just for whatever reason, things didn't go and, and kids have to move on or, you know, they haven't had a good experience. But most of the time with our kids, 
they come back, they give us a thumbs up and said, you know what, you really helped us. You helped us on this journey. We're enjoying it. You know, I wanted to go to this school, but you, you know, you persuaded me to go to here and I'm playing lots of minutes and I feel happy. And, you know, and I always tell the kid, that's from my experience. I know that if you're playing, you're going to be a lot happier than if you're not playing. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're playing, you're going to enjoy yourself. You're going to do your homework. You're going to get, you're going to, you know, embed yourself in, in, in that environment that you're in and you're going to do your best. If you're not happy, you're going to start to get insolent and you're going to start to do things that you're not supposed to do. Yeah. You're going to lose your focus. Yeah. And we don't want that. So, you know, expectations, managing expectations is the word. Because, you know, you always got kids saying, oh, I want to go to America and I want to score 30 points a game and uh, I want to go to Division One. And I'm like, yeah, that is possible. But let's look at look at you now. What are you doing now? You're scoring 10 points over here. So <laughs> let's listen. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, and yeah, as, as you said, the, the surrounding elements, again, of making sure financially can you afford it if there is a financial implication um some families you know right now you know i'm in new mexico and for me to fly home and back is almost 1200 pounds do you know what i mean so you know if a family wants to go and you know yes they're getting recruited in a scholarship can the family afford the 1200 or whatever it is to get to whatever part in the states and, and, and looking at that stuff. So yeah, it's not just a, hey, I've got a scholarship or yeah, there's an opportunity. Like there's so many things you need to take into consideration. Um, right. So many things that people don't think about. It's not just playing basketball, is it? There's, there's a lot of surrounding things. And, you know, that, that financial, no one ever talks about it, but it, it, can, it can be a difficult obstacle for some people. Always, yeah. And it's always the, you know, you just hear, scholarship and even uh even looking at division two uh and naia's where they can kind of split it you know they just hear scholarship and you think yeah and then when it gets down to you know the ninth hour almost you realize oh i've got to pay insurance or i've got to pay you know this tax or foreign tax or yeah so it's definitely you need to make sure you understand everything involved um, what skill set would you say is the best for an international prospect to have? You know, just a generic, you know, of all the, the, the kids that you've helped go across, is there a specific skill that they've had that, you know, all of them can do? Yeah, get to basket. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, you know, all the players we sent have, have been able to, to, to get to the baskets and uh, have an impact there, either score or get to the free throw line. Uh, or get fouled. I mean, they've always had those attributes. Um, I would say ball handling, but you know, Cavell couldn't handle the ball. But most of them can handle the handle the basketball. I think it's important for me. You got to be able to play one on one, right? You got to be able to play one on one. That's that's just uh, to me. That's just basic basketball. You've got to be able to dribble the ball. And if you dribble the ball, you're going to have confidence. And I think shooting to me comes next because that takes time. You need time for that. You need time on the court. To refine it, yeah. Yeah, and you can always get better than that. But if you can't dribble the ball and you can't play one-on-one, uh, you're not going to have much success uh, for me. So we look for players with those type of skill sets. Okay. Um, can you suggest why an uh, international player would get recruited over a domestic 
American kid? Um, probably if you're big, bigs are hard to come by. So they're always looking for international bigs. I'm sure if you do a breakdown uh, of the data, you'll see there's probably more bigs that go to the States than guards. Um, academically, you could be stronger. Um, so it's easier to get into school. That sometimes plays a part. And, you know, a lot of schools, just like yourself, they like international students. They love to bring in international students to bring them into their culture and, and have kids experience different, you know, people from around the world. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of coaches that prefer, um, you know, speaking to coaches on this series already, um, the, the biggest comment that I get is that the international students, uh, student athletes are more mature. You know, they, they've had to be independent a little bit longer or, you know, the fact that they're leaving their home and coming to another country, they're a bit more grown up mentally and they don't have to um, worry so much. Whereas the domestic kids who, you know, first time away from home or whatever, they're still a little bit like, you know, needing uh, parental guidance. So, um, yeah, it's all good. Um, how, you know, as you just touched on it, how important is education to this whole process? Um, for me, it's number one. Um, as a, as a, a father myself to two, with two young men and also living the journey myself, I know there's, a, there's, you know, you play basketball maybe this much in your life, then you got the rest of your life. So what, what are you going to do with that? So academics to me and, and having and having the ability to achieve in that arena is is number one to me. Um, you cannot put your so-called eggs all in one basket. And I think kids need to know student athlete is, means exactly that. Student first, athlete next. And they've got to take that approach. And we've got to make sure that once they finish their American journey, whatever journey it is, that they have some qualifications, they have something to fall back on. So it's extremely important to me when we match up the schools that academically the schools are, are going to give the kids the support they, they, so they can be successful also uh, in the classroom and on the court. Now, as you've gone through the journey, and as I said, I don't, not this episode want to get into too much, but really quickly, how much, like how pressing was your current GPA when you was at college, when you was at North Carolina? Was you able to, you know, not hand in assignments or not do work and still go to practice or play games? Or was it like super strict and it had to be done? Um, super strict. I mean, as I said, I went to North Carolina. So, you know, we were, we were told from, from the very beginning by coach, if you don't go to your classes, you don't play. I mean, you had, you had some draconian measures to make sure you, you, you followed through on that. One of them was the six o'clock study hall in the morning. So if you didn't go to class or you didn't fill an assignment, you'd have a, a 6 a.m. Um, study hall. And part of that would be you have to go running for 30 minutes and come back and study. And the coaches would literally come to your dorm or to your apartment, pick you up and bring you there. So, you know, people didn't want to fall into that trap. Um, also, we'd have spot checks where you'd be in the you'd be in the class with your classmates and 
you look back and coach is standing at the door, one of the assistant coaches, uh, making sure you're there. And uh, if you wasn't there, 6 a.m. study hall. <laughs> you know, so you, you had one way to do this. Either you, follow, <laughs> either you do what they do or you, you take up residency at the gym, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you'd have to get up pretty early to get there. So, and then, and then we had, we had our tutors, we had our tutors. Uh, one of the thing coaches did, he set up study study hall, um, kind of a study period for the players. It's been so long, I can't remember what time. It was in the evening mm-hmm. and you go somewhere and you have three or four tutors there to support you. So we knew what coach was about. He was mm-hmm. proud that he wanted every player to, to get a degree. He said, I want every player that comes through here four years to get a degree. And, and most of them did. You'd have to be a really bad character or really just didn't want to pay any attention to it not to get a degree um as time went on you know you had these players that come in for a couple of years and, and they would leave but they would still come back in the summers and and get their degree so that shows you you know so, some of the some of the teachings and philosophy of coach smith just just you know flowed through their veins michael jordan came back sam perkins these guys all came back and got their degrees mm, that's nice um, and on that, and I'm glad you said that because I'm I'm always forever, and I'm sure most coaches are always battling the players that you know just want to play versus getting their academics. So um, you know, knowing that you know you as as, as a former Laker and, and playing at North Carolina, you still even at the top programs, they are still hammering on about grades and all the rest of it. So hopefully that puts it into perspective. Um, Right, as you mentioned, you got two sons. So, you know, let's say your, your sons are amazing athletes, you know, and they're and they're top ten in the nation, um, you know, ranked for basketball. At, at the same time, they've got a four point um, What would you choose? Would you choose a better academic college, or would you choose a better basketball college? What 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 would you advise? It would it would it would be as an advisory capacity first of all because they're nearly grown men, as you said, and they they kind of make that final decision, especially when they get over eighteen. But my advice would be to to find a good balance. Uh, again, find a place where you can play straight away, and also find something that you want to do down the line, and and then marry that with best school that can offer you that. So if it's business, find a good business school that, you know, if it's uh, if it's uh, IT, find a, a school that has a good IT. Whatever it may be, try to, to, to marry that up. So when you go to the school, it's not just about basketball. There's some interest for you on the academics front. And you know that, you know, if you get a degree from that school, it's going to be worth something. That would be my advice. Whether they do it, that would be the yeah. <laughs> That's another thing, yeah. I got you. Um, and that's and that's I was speaking to um Renee Bush, she was on our last series, and you know, very talented young uh, young lady. Um, and she went to the University of Pennsylvania, which is the Ivy League. So, you know, going to an Ivy League versus going to another uh, high major school is I always find that an interesting balance and I guess you know as you said it's about finding that balance in between so um yeah it's definitely a, a, a something to consider um this this section coaches is, is is kind of for the young coaches 
um, starting out. So kind of like me, you know, 12 years ago. Um, how how can a coach uh, aid the development of a young player who's, you know, aspires to play in the States? As, as, a, as a young coach, you got to start to build your own philosophy. You, you're out there and you're seeing different people work and you're seeing different styles and you're trying to develop your own. While you're doing that, you want to you wanna support your players. So f- for me, you have to look at the long game. You look at the player and you say, what can this player kind of become in five, six years? Where do you see this player? And then you do everything in your power to take him to that to that place. Uh, as I said, for me, is you get a six foot three player, for instance, and yes, you could win many games probably in England, playing him at center. You know, he's 12, 13 years old. Playing him at center, you could dominate. Let's be honest, you can, you can yeah, dominate. Yeah, yeah. But the good coach would be like, you know what? I'm gonna take this player outside, give him some, give him some ball skills give him some perimeter uh, attributes where he can take. And we may suffer a few games. Don't get me wrong, when I need a basket, I'm going to put him where I need to put him. But <laughs> before, before then, I'm going to allow him to go outside and shoot that shot. I'm going to allow him to to maybe bring the ball up, not yell at him. So that's the first thing you see when the big, he looks awkward, but and you start yelling. I'm like, well, you got to encourage him to do that. And you only give him that confidence by working with him in practice, working with him in practice saying give me something i'll give you something and i think coaches need to to have that balance you give me something i'll give you something you give me some some good rebounding i'll let you shoot a couple threes without getting mad you know so it's it's a building a relationship with the player and letting the player see see his future Mm. that makes sense yeah it does perfect sense um and i think that's a really good way to you know that that reward system as well um, I think it's, it, it works well because it gives them targets and goals and it's like, hey, now I'm going to go rebound harder so I can go and, you know, potentially, you know, get my perimeter time. So we didn't, um, t- we didn't talk about trust, but that's how you're building that trust with that player. And, you know, when a player trusts you, he'll run through a brick wall for you. You know mm, that. When a player mm. doesn't trust you, then he doesn't really want to go down that dark alley with you because he doesn't know what's going to happen. But when he trusts you, He'll be like, yes, coach, whatever, whatever. I believe in you. And that's why I think the young coaches should be striving to, to build that type of relationship with their players. And it takes time. It isn't built overnight. It's, it's a long process. But if you've got a young player and you're a young coach, you've got time. You've got time to build that. And you can kind of experiment. Uh, that's what you should be doing all the time to me, experimentation. Uh, not with the player's uh, livelihood, but you know, you know what I mean? Experiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah having him doing different things, having him being in awkward situations, having him having to always react and learn how to react on the go. Basketball is a game that happens in less than, you know, things happen less than a second. Things are always changing. And, and you know, building that, that confidence in the player to knowing you can make a bad play, but then a second later you can make a good play. And mm. we move on. A lot of players, are younger players, if they make a bad play, it takes them 10 plays to get out of it and play. That plays over, son. You need to need to get going again. Yeah, next one, next move. I hear you. I hear you. Um, again, as a young coach, should a young coach, uh, you know, let's say they've got this prospect, let's say um, uh, 
20-year-old coach, 22-year-old coach has got a young Cavell, um, should they solely focus on that individual player in practice and in game, so make them the focal point? Or should they just still have their holistic approach and, you know, work them into it? Um, I think, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a difficult one for me. Because you can stay the standard thing. Yeah, you should work with all the other players and, you know, be holistic about it. Or you could say, this guy can make it. This guy's got a chance of making it. So he needs some special attention. Uh, for me, you look at the players, everybody says everybody's equal, but they're not equal. You know, you're going to have some uh, standout like Cabell, who's six foot nine, and he's, and he's 13 years old, 14 years old. You've got, you've got to pay that respect and say, this guy can actually make it all the way. What can we do to facilitate that? What can we do to support that? I don't want to take it away for the rest of my players. I don't want to build the whole program around him. But what I will do is make some time for this guy. I'll make some time. That's what we did. We'll make special sessions just for him. You know, coaches, we had three or four coaches were, were tasked with, you know what, you got to find 30 minutes. If we all find 30 minutes for Cabell, he's going to become a better player. And that's what we did. Because what you don't want to do is, is build that jealousy um, within the team setup. Honesty is my policy. It probably gets me wrong. But at the end of the day, when you have a special talent, he, he deserves special attention. Um, yeah. that's, that's my philosophy. But we don't want to use lose the team philosophy either. And, and you know, if players see that you're taking too much attention away from the team and focusing on one guy, then you're going to lose the 11 other players. So it's a balancing act. That's why I said you have to do it outside of the team. Outside of it. Time, out, outside of it. So, you know, we, we had coaches used to put in 30 minutes with Cabell after practice. Over a number of months, his performances got better in the game and the team got better. Yes. And then other and then other players would say, well, we want some time. We said, well, we've never stopped you from having time. You know, if you want time, we make time. And and then it gets our hand and then you never go home at night because everybody wants time. Everybody wants time. <laughs> well, not everybody yeah. can be a Cavell. Does it make sense? Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a difficult one uh, when you're coaching in youth basketball. What we try to do is be fair and equitable, which means Cabell gets 30. Maybe we'll say, okay, the guards, we've got three or four guards. You know, there's 30 minutes for you, then we work with the guards. So we, we tried our best, but at the end of the day, it was quite obvious to see that Cabell needed, needed uh, our attention if we wanted to support his dreams. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Nice. Um, what's the best way, um, and I don't know if you'll be able to answer fully just because of I guess you've never had the issue but what is the best way for a young coach to contact a college coach about a player what's the best way you know again 22 you don't really know any coaches in the states but you've got this um, amazing athlete that you believe is special how would you contact a, a, a program about this kid well first of all we're all coaches so we all respect each other so you shouldn't be afraid of reaching out to a coach. Um, you can find their details pretty easy. You know that. You, you, you can go online. You can you can send an email. I mean, it'd be better to send a, some video. I think they're you know, not too long, not a um, drawn-out three-hour video, but a quick five, you know, 
two to three minutes or five minute snapshot of the player. Introduce yourself respectfully. And I'm sure in time you would get a response back from the coach. And obviously you got to be persistent. That's yes. also the key. You have to be persistent. You go one time at it and you don't get results. You throw your hands up and say, oh, I'm not going to. No, that could be the way of the coach testing you too. How persistent is this guy? Does he really want it? And sooner or later, if you send, keep sending messages, you will get a response. You will get a response. Nice. I got you. Um, what's the worst thing a coach can do uh, for a player wanting to play college ball? The worst thing that wanted to play college ball, the worst thing is to is to not manage his expectations. I think uh, to to tell the player you're the best thing since sliced bread. You know, you're better than Michael Jordan. You know, and have this player going around uh, with an inflated opinion of himself. I think what you have to say is that anything is possible. You can do anything you put your mind to, but what I will tell you is going to have to work your butt off. And mm. as I always told my son, I go, there's a million players or more your age who want to play in the NBA, maybe more. What are you going to do differently to make it? You think you could just do the regular thing like everybody else is doing and make it? Or are you going to go the extra mile? Are you going to do the extra practice? Are you going to go out and run every day? Are you going to get sleep, your, you know, your correct sleep? nutrition are you going to do all these things when you're doing all these things then we can measure you up to, to the best of the best so basically i'm flipping it back onto the player and saying you've got a challenge what are you going to do about it so don't blame it all on me you have to be the one to lead on this mm, mm, that's good good i like that um would you say the objective of a good coach slash program is to produce players that go and play college basketball in the States? England, I think the, the, the ultimate goal is to be to send, send players to whatever level they need to go, whether it's universities over in England, whether it's academies in Europe, whether it's America. What, whatever you believe your level is and whatever you can achieve, you can achieve. Not everybody's built for going to America. Uh, nobody talks about that, but everybody's built for that. You may have a better option on your on your doorfront. You're not even looking at it. I mean, people talk about Cameron Hill just, but he, he hasn't gone to America. He's going to Wake Forest. Mm. So, you know, I'd love to see more stories like that. I'd love to see more of our players going through our system and then going straight to the States. That shows that our system is solid. Our infrastructure is good that we can develop players in our own soil. Mm, that's good. Coach, I'm really appreciating your time, man. I've got like four questions um, and we'll get them out as, as, as quick as possible. Um, what's your views on the different levels of collegiate basketball? Um, especially there's a big stigma around junior college uh, being bad. Um, and some players think there are they're they a failure if they don't go and play Division One. What's your views on the different levels? Um, there's there's probably a level for everybody. You just have to find it. So if that means your pathway crosses junior college for you to achieve what you want to achieve, then so be it. So I'm not against junior college. I'm not against any division. 
if it's the right pathway for the player. Uh, if he gets his uh, support network around him, he can achieve anything, and you know, through any level. Uh, again, I recall my friend, uh, Carl Brown, um, didn't get any scholarship uh, offers when he was in Florida in high school. Um, ended up going to junior college in, in high school for a couple of years. I mean, after high school, sorry, for a couple yeah. of years. And then ended up at Georgia Tech as one of the key ingredients to their, one of their, you know, the, the successful teams in the history of Georgia Tech. Going to the final four, winning the ACC. So he created that journey. You know, he, he sacrificed he worked hard, so it can happen to anybody. So it depends, you know, your fortitude, your desire, and how much you want to work. Mm, yeah, I, I hear you. Um, and, and I think kind of to piggyback what you said, the fact that every level is suitable, you know, there's a different level suitable for every person. Um, and I think that understanding again kind of you know what we spoke about earlier you've kind of got to be realistic in your own talents your own ability Do you know i mean you can't be a junior college player um who probably has a ceiling of you know um division two or you know a low division two talk about hey i want to go play for gonzaga it's not gonna you know it's not realistic so it's about tempering your expectations so um i definitely agree with that um as a as a pro coach um, who's been able to recruit college graduates, um, how often did you recruit guys coming back from uh, college? Um, and did you think that those guys were more developed than you know their counterparts that stayed within the, the um, domestic region? Well, well, I would say is the guys come back a lot more humble. I would say, <laughs> I would say that. After their, after their experience in the States. Um, you know, they go out there with big dreams and big ambition, and then they realize that uh, there are some guys out there that can play. Um, when they come when they come back, what you, what you see is uh, usually that the, their body's changed, right? Their body's changed. They've gotten into that, you know, weightlifting regime and, and, and understanding that you have to be at the peak of your powers physically. That's changed. Well, well I've, not, I've never seen a great shooter come back either. I've never seen a great, a great shooter. They, a lot of them, uh, uh, still rely on their physical ability in terms of getting to the basket, in in terms of athleticism on the court. Um, I would say that probably because they've surrounded themselves in that environment of basketball is that their IQ does pick up. I've seen that where they, they understand the game. Uh, a little bit more the nuances of the game and when to to kind of the, the reaction part of the game they, they they you know instead of when they left they were probably like you know every 10 decisions they made you know eight wrong okay uh, you know now they've, they've lowered that so it's maybe 50 percent, which is good you want to take it lower of course you want to make the right decision at the right time but as you know uh during a game you have multiple options you have to try to choose the the, the, the most efficient run and the, and the right one for you so I've, I've seen that you know they, they, their game definitely gets better they're probably on the court more watching a lot of basketball uh, being around that environment it does make a difference I mean I noticed that uh, all those years ago where I hardly watched any basketball when I was young 
In fact, there was no basketball on TV. Maybe Channel Four, and that's going way back. So <laughs> way, way back before Channel Five, right? Okay, before Channel Five. So you couldn't really develop your your basketball IQ and your sense of what's happening. Um, now you get it in front of you every day. You just put on YouTube and then. So it's got to make a difference. Mm, definitely, I I, I hear you. Um, it's it's always interesting because you do get the the topic of and I guess this is what this section kind of touches on but you do get the um, discussion of staying versus going and what's the you know if you end up coming back home apart from the I guess the personal experience of hey I've traveled I've seen many things have it if my goal is to get better at basketball Am I going to get much better staying at home or going to the States? Again, I mean, America is the home of basketball. Whether we like it or not, we have to. America, uh, yeah. Yeah, we have to understand that. It's the home. Of, uh, you know, everybody wants to play in America. If you don't play in America, it doesn't mean you're a failure. Um, that's the first thing. People shouldn't look at it as a failure. People just look at it as a, a journey and uh, and enjoy the, the experience uh being able to play a game that we love uh i think it's a blessing so you know players coming back to, to england uh, or europe they have something to offer um and they should understand that whether it's um their own ambitions or giving back uh, yeah. i love players who come back uh and try to engage with the community they come from or other communities and try to give back. Um, I've seen that happening a lot more. Uh, somebody like Carl Weedle comes to mind. I don't think he went to the States, he was in Italy, but he's always giving back to the youngsters, uh, for that next generation. Um, I try to do that, to give back, to inspire the next generation of players to go further than I, I did. And that's what it takes. So coming back to, to, to England, I think you can, it's difficult to improve, to get better. I'm not saying I've seen anybody get better, but I've seen players mature. Okay. I've seen players mature. And sometimes maturity is better than uh, ability, especially when you're talking about team. Um, understanding your role, being able to accept your role, um, understanding that you're part of a bigger thing. Uh, that's what happens when you get mature. You don't think it's all about me. And, and, and then you can start building, a coach can start actually building a team around players like that. Uh, I prefer to have 10 of those players and one superstar player. But what if you have an extremely talented player? And we've had a few, um, and you know, especially you just mentioned Carl Wheatle went to, to Italy. Um, but does an extremely talented player have to go to college in the States to be successful? You know, how much do you value the um, other routes, if you will? Um, oh, yeah, there's other routes that are valid. I mean, we've had guys, um, Kareem uh, went to Real Madrid as a youngster, 14. Uh, he's now a professional basketball player, Carl Weedle. Um, there's others who have gone to Europe and uh, been quite successful. Uh, if you're super talented, um, and you want to go to the States and that's your dream, I don't see why anybody should stop that. Um, I don't, personally, I don't think the States is for everybody, 
Well, if you're super talented and you've got a chance of making it, why shouldn't you be allowed to have that experience of going to a university, uh, meeting different people, being on campus, playing college basketball? It's a great experience. And uh, I won't want to hold, you know, stop anybody from, from having that type of opportunity. But it depends where you are. It depends where your mindset is. Um, Luka Doncic, you know, he didn't go to college. And, you know, he's an all-star. So it's about putting yourself in the best situation to succeed. It kind of depends what the person wants from his, his journey and his life. Um, some people see going to America. Some people see getting, you know, turning, turning pro straight away and getting into that, that lifestyle. Uh, you know, there's, there's positives and there's negatives to either way. Mm, true, it's true. Um, it's it's all, always pretty tough um, because I think the college route. I think sometimes you can get lost in the shuffle. You know, you go to you know you choose a wrong program, and I guess the same is true for pro. Um, but in college, if you you know get with the wrong program, get in the wrong system, you're you know I think you're at greater risk at being lost. Um, and not achieving. I think sometimes if you go to Europe, especially if you're an extremely talented player, I think, you know, let's say the ultimate goal, the ultimate, ultimate goal is the NBA. If you go to Europe, you always have scouts on your case. You're making a, a, a wage, you're earning, um, you're getting better, you know, and you're all, almost uh, predetermined. You're, you're, you're already a pro. So um, I think that's a, a good way to look at it as, you know what's the end goal why why are you going to go to college versus being a pro why is it better to be a pro versus going to college so um definitely a great great point there coach um i've seen, I've seen guys flip-flop i mean as a young man i'm hearing about jeremy Sochan, english and polish heritage yeah he, he he was he was a great talent i saw him play uh, under 18s he torched us uh, he was an underage, you know, player, and he just was impressive the way the way he did. And uh, that, that's our friend Charlie. But anyway, the way he did it. Um, and then I heard he he went back to Germany to play, mm. playing in Germany. So you know, he must have seen something that he didn't like, or the opportunities, probably because of COVID. Probably he couldn't play, and then he jumped back to Germany. So, like I said, there's. There's many, I always say, my dad says, many ways to skin a cat. There's many ways. You just have to try to navigate the, the right path. Mm. And you're never going to know what's right until until you get there and go through it. Mm, yeah, uh, I, I, I definitely hear you. Um, last couple. Um, can you, oh, here we go, controversial for you. Uh, can you give me the negatives um, about going to the States to play basketball? The negatives. Yes. Um, the, 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 the negatives are, as you said, you could get lost in the shuffle. Um, if you don't get it right, it could be disastrous. Uh, America's a tough place. Um, as you know, nothing's given for free there. So your, envir your environment is key that you get to the right environment and have the, the right to, uh, supporting network around you. If that's not right, you'll you'll be left on an island by yourself, and and mentally you may not be prepared for that. 
So I think guys have to be a little bit more due diligent in when they go into the stage to make sure they don't drop themselves in the shark shark mode, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, negativity. Um, there's not much. As uh, long as you've done your due diligence, to me, and you know you're not caught off guard, you're not going to a place where there's no housing. You don't have those type of things to worry about, uh, which again, people have fell into that trap, thinking that things are all free, and then they get there and then they realize, oh, I got to pay for housing, oh, I got to pay for my food, uh, I don't have enough food, I, you know, stuff like that. So you got to do your homework. Uh, I never saw anything negative about it, but uh, you know, I had a good experience. I know many many others who haven't had a good experience uh, getting caught up in the wrong crowd. Um, yes. If you're a follow, if you're a follower, you need to be careful of that. Who you're following, who you're surrounding yourself around. Um, the thing about college, compared to the pros, you probably have more downtime in college in the United States. Where in the pros, you have more of a regiment of two practices: one in the morning, maybe, maybe something in the afternoon, one in the evening. And, and it keeps you kind on track. In college, you may just have one practice. Um, so, you know, you've got a lot of time to either study, which you should be doing, yeah. or, hang out, or hang out on campus. I know things haven't changed that much in 30 years. So <laughs> you, have to be, you have to be careful. Again, it's all about the people around you. I really think that uh, they, can, they can help you or they can hinder you. And uh, those are the negativities I found. For me, the food was a problem because uh, I'd never seen so much junk food in my life. Yes. Um, it was really difficult for me to, to stay away from the McDonald's, the Hardee's, the the, uh, the uh, Popeyes. They got so many of them. <laughs> so accessible too. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I remember when I was in college, we took uh, a good meal, very good meal, and and then. By 11 o'clock, I'm finding myself at Hardee's, get another burger or something. And, and, my, and, and you know, you're young, you can burn it off, but you, you do put on uh, a few pounds and you got to be careful what you're eating. I mean, it's so apparent now with the game and the athleticism and, and the body types that, you know, you can't go over there and, and indulge yourself in food, can you? Because <laughs> you're not going to make it. One of my um, motivations for um get into the states one is that hey my personal thought is if i'm actually good at this thing i need to go up like i need to get in the jungle do you know what i mean like you can stay in england and win whatever you're at you know i was at worthing and one and you know was at the scorches and what like not saying that it's easy but i'm like if you want to go if you're if if you're as good as you think you are go play with the big boys i agree um, I agree. And that's, and that's, you know, one of the things that's got me over here. And then plus, I mean, hey, yeah, kind of, it, I guess it's bittersweet for you because th- that's your facility. Um, that's something off your own blood, sweat and tears. Um, and I guess with, with that, it comes of you having to do, as you said, be the janitor. Um, and my thing is, hey, well, I don't want to be the janitor. I just want to be the guy that gets hired or fired. And you know what I mean? Do my job. I tell people, I've got no problem being fired if I'm not doing the job. I'll yeah. learn. Trust me, I'll learn. <laughs> you're in, the, you're in the, that environment. Yeah, that's where you want to be. 
like you said, you want to be in the jungle, you're there. So I'm, I'm and you're I'm, and you're and you're young enough. You're young enough. I mean, when you get to, when you start getting older, and you have to make decisions about your family, about what you want to do, and uh, it's it's tough being a coach because, as you said, you can you can have a job and and a, a year later you can be fired. You know, in some cases, it could be six months, two months. It depends, in it. So it's it's a lot of pressure. So commendable to you. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, All right. What's the last one? Last question. Um, what is what? Uh, last question, Coach. Uh, what advice would you give to someone who is uh, between the ages of, let's say, thirteen to sixteen, um, even seventeen, and they want to play collegiate basketball? What's what was your advice be? Um. The first thing is um, you have to kind of saturate yourself with basketball. Just watching basketball. I think that's the first thing. I think I missed out on that. A lot of my generation missed out just being able to, to sit down and just watch games and start to understand the feel, the flow, and what players are doing to be successful. That's the first thing. Then... You have to get out on the court and do it. And you know, if you really want to be a baller, for me, you've got to find you, you've got to find court time. You've got to find court time. Uh, I was pretty good at that. That's the one thing I was good at. I used to go after school and uh, spend three, four hours in the gym after school, with my school clothes on. Obviously, when I get home, my mum would slap me and be like, hey, you, "You know, your clothes, your clothes are, are drenched. You know, your pants are ripped. Why are your pants ripped? You know what I mean?" I'm like, I was on the court, so. It's different now. You've got to find the court time. And obviously you've got to be inside a program with a good coach, it does help. But it's, it's not where you really learn. You know, for me, you learn by yourself being on the court, training yourself to train, learning how to train. Um, it's not just, uh, I always tell a story about the wild thing when I used to come back in the summer as a pro and uh, we used to get together at Crystal Palace. Uh, a bunch of other pros who were playing at the time you know, you know, pros come in, just want to play. You know, we come in and play. And because we've kind of gone through that stage, if you know what I mean. Uh, we've, we've done our drills and, you know, the warm up. But Luar Deng would never want to play. He would just be over there diligently on one of the courts, just working on his move, working on his move. And everybody in the gym recognized you like, boy, you got a baller over there. Uh, there's a proper baller because he's honing his skills. He's honing his skills. How many kids do that? How many kids shoot 500, 600 shots a day? Uh, you know, I wish I could turn back the, 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 the hands of time. I mean, because I couldn't shoot a lick. So I would have been there shooting 500. I could get to the basket. That wasn't a problem. But you know what I mean? You got to get into the gym. You got you to get, get yourself a good coach, a good program. But to me, it's how you train by yourself. Can you learn to train by yourself when the gym is empty and there's nobody there except you? How bad do you want this game? And uh, I think that makes the difference. Obviously, physically, you know, you have to have some, some tools. You have to have some tools. But saying that, you don't have to be that physically gifted if you can shoot, you know, if you can shoot the ball and, and make eight out of 10 shots every time, there's always be a place for you. So you've got to figure out how you want to play this game. To me, you watch a lot of basketball. You figure out where could I fit? What could I do? And 
mean, I used to do that at a later stage, but I was like, well, I can shoot this corner three, so I need to work on that. That's my strength. I can get to the basket with my right hand, and I was happy with that. But what about the left? Never worked on it. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to me, it's quite clear now, you have to be a multi-skilled player. You cannot think that I'm posting up or I'm just going to shoot or I'm not. my handle's not going to be just quite right. Everything's going to have to be at, at peak levels. That means you got to work on everything. And I think if you put that discipline in and dedication in, and you need a little bit of luck, and obviously, you know, physically you got some tools, I think you can do well. I can, and, and just that mindset alone, even if you're not successful in this, generally you're going to be successful in life. Yes, definitely. Yeah, you know, yeah, because yeah. you've built up that determination, that resilience, that uh, discipline to work. These are the same tools you're going to need to, to, to get ahead. Regardless of what you do, whether it's coaching, whether you're a doctor, uh, whether you're a janitor, you know, it's the same thing. Uh, I think it's all a mindset. It's all a mindset. And obviously, you know, God, whoever you believe in, has to give you uh, a gift. Mm, I like it. Hey, that coach, that was uh, beautiful, man. That was, um, I think that hit on everything. Um, and it's it's been great catching up with you. Um, some really insightful um, takes, especially, you know, very briefly on, on your time um, at college and stuff. Um, so I'm looking forward to doing it again, where we get to pick a little bit more about your journey as a uh, as a Euro stepper and leaving, um, you know, going to the States, playing in the NBA and then playing pro and how that whole process comes. So really looking forward to that. But um, thanks for, for hanging out with us today, coach. No problem, I mean, I, I enjoyed sharing some of my own beliefs. They were just my beliefs. By the way, everybody has to have their own opinion, but it's my beliefs from my journey and my experience. But it's always a, a pleasure to give back. Beautiful. Uh, my name is Stephen Bognall. I'm the uh, director of coaching at London Thunder Basketball Club. Um, it's been a pleasure to be on Euro Stepping. And I want to give you one last message. Either you want to be uh, a basketball player or you want to play basketball. You make the choice. Appreciate you watching the Euro Stepping. I want to thank everybody for watching Euro Stepping. Watching the Euro Stepping. The Euro Stepping. The Euro Stepping. You've been watching the Euro Stepping. The Euro Stepping. The Euro Stepping. You've been watching the Euro Stepping, a great podcast show hosted by Coach D.